0: Hey there, Pastor Mark here. It's our prayer that this message would encourage and equip you in your relationship with Jesus. We're able to provide this content due to the joyful generosity of our financial partners. And if you'd be willing to join that tribe and help get some sermons like this around the world, you can donate at harvestbaptist.info slash give. God bless. Uh, We have one more kind of survey sermon for this sermon series, and then we will dive deeper next week specifically into some practices. But I want to be sure that these ideas are not flimsy or squishy, but they're concrete and that we understand them. So let me review very quickly what we have covered over a few sermons already. And that's the idea that Jesus wants followers. Jesus wants disciples. Jesus wants, I think the best word would be apprentices. Apprentices. And there is a methodology that's been set up or a pattern that you would see in the scriptures for us to do discipleship. So first of all, there's the start of discipleship. Like, where do I, where do I begin this? Well, faith in Jesus, right? You, you can't be a disciple without that. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is our savior. Jesus is our Lord. We put our faith and our trust in him. But when you're like, okay, my faith is in Jesus, And I want to be his disciple. Well, what does that mean? How do I go about that? How do I go about apprenticing? And you would find that there was a a pattern. I want to uh, be with Jesus and I want to be like Jesus. I want to spend time with him. I want to commune with him. I want to enjoy his spirit. I want to have a prayer life. I want him to speak to me. I, I want to be with Jesus. I also want to be like him, specifically through absorbing his teaching and practicing his practices. So there's a body of truth. There's doctrine. There are ways to do things and ways not to do things. There's teaching from Jesus that I need to have. There's also his ways, his words and ways, basically. There are spiritual disciplines. There are ways of behaving, patterns of behavior. There are habits that I want to instill in my life that I can see in Jesus' life, and that he taught his followers clearly, and I don't just want to set that to the side, right? I want to be with him and be like them. Why? The goal of discipleship, so that I can join in the mission of Jesus, so that I can be on about what he was on about, so that I can be his agent in the world. And that is, I'm trying to compress a whole New Testament into a few concrete ideas, but, but those are the concrete ideas that of discipleship and spiritual formation and wanting to apprentice under Jesus. Now, we will zero in on what it means to practice the practices here in short order, but understand that all of this was, first of all, aimed at change, and not just for the good, but for the best. All of this was meant so that you would not be conformed to the image of this world, but to, you would be transformed All of it's meant that you would be made to look more like Jesus, and in turn, probably a little less like yourself. But it's meant to change you, and for the best, right? Isaiah would say it this way about Jesus. Isaiah calls Jesus quite a few things, but he calls him the wonderful counselor. That could mean a lot of things, but I think at the very least, it means Jesus has the best advice. Like, Jesus knows how life works, He knows what will lead to human flourishing. He knows how this is supposed to to work. He has the best advice on family. He has the best advice on relationships. He has the best advice on how forgiving you should be or not be. He has the best advice on how to spend your money and, and what to do with it. Like Jesus knows how life is supposed to work. And when we pursue his words and ways, like it really does lead us to flourish. I put it this way last week, that Jesus has the good life on offer, that there's a good life when you, when you pay attention to Jesus' words and ways. All of this is done in the context of community. So it's not meant to be like private tutoring. <laughs> it's not to meant to be a lone ranger version of Christianity. It's meant to be done in the context of community, like the church, right? That we want to be together with his people learning and growing and sharpening and mentoring and sharing. like That's part of why the church exists is to help us have a, a spiritual community. And lastly, all of it takes time. So if you were an apprentice to a plumber, over the span of four years, probably it would take you, before you could go plumb a house on your own. Like if plumbing apprenticeship takes four years, how long you think it'll take to apprentice under Jesus and to become like Jesus? Maybe longer than four years, maybe. Like, it's a lifetime. And it's good for us to to recognize that of, hey, this is a walk, one foot after the other. I do not have to be 10 miles down the road tomorrow I, can, I, I want to grow and I want to keep taking steps. I don't want to backslide or go backwards. I don't want to be stagnant, but I also understand I don't have to sprint all the time, that it, have a space where it's okay to say, look, I'm gonna try this on for a second. I've never fasted before. Guess what? You won't be a professional faster, I don't even know if that's a word, one day in, like you're not going to hear a sermon on that and then just be great at it all of a sudden. It's going to it's be clunky, right? It's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be something that you fail at and, and you work through and you grow through, and that's okay. It takes time. So that's kind of the big picture. What I want to do is I want to take what limited time I have this morning. I'm aware. I gave you a status update. I'm not going to keep you here until 1230. And I want to try to address maybe the devil's advocate, right? I'm like, okay, sure, but what about this? And so the title of my sermon is simply, "Yeah, sure, but dot dot dot." So I'm going to give you two. I could give you more than two, but I'll give you two. The first is is this, and actually four or five of you have said this to me over the last few weeks, and most of you have told, like, "Hang on, it's coming, it's coming." Yeah, sure, but isn't following Jesus costly? Like you said, Jesus has the good life on offer. You said that like there's life abundant and there's life to the full and there's stability and chaos. We can build our house on a rock. And if you follow his words and his ways, it leads to human flourishing. And time out. Isn't discipleship hard? Like, isn't discipleship costly? Like, Pastor, I've read my Bible before, and discipleship isn't a bed of roses. Like, Jesus said, if you wanted to follow him, that all who live godly in Jesus would suffer persecution. Jesus said very clearly that if they hate me, you think they're just going to love you? If they hate me and you look like me, they're going to hate you too, right? Right? The Sermon on the Mount is riddled with teaching of you're going to have enemies and they're going to revile you and they're going to persecute you and they're going to speak all manner of evil against you falsely. Like this is not going to be easy. Jesus said that if you want to follow him, if any man follow me, what? Let him deny himself, let him take up his cross and let him follow me. So how, how is following Jesus the good life, like you, you make this look peachy and, and fantastic, when we got some crosses to bear? And the answer to that is, these truths are not mutually exclusive. It's not, is Jesus offering us the good life that leaves the human flourishing, or is he offering us some crosses to bear? It's not neither or, it's a both and, right? And here's the truth of discipleship to Jesus. Apprenticeship costs, but it pays way more than it costs. Apprenticeship to Jesus will cost you something, but it pays way more than it will ever cost you. And we're not just talking about eternity. We're not just talking about, well, heaven will be my home, and I can be with God, and one day it'll be awesome, right? The, the, the old hymn, It Will Be Worth It All. Anyone sing It Will Be Worth It All growing up in church, raise of hands, okay? If you didn't, I won't, I won't serenade you this morning. But the idea is it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And I don't love that idea because it tends to leave out like, no, it's worth it now. It's not just worth it then and now it's just misery and drudgery and like the worst and I'm just bearing crosses all day. Like it's worth it now. So for example, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter number 13. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure that's hidden field." Which when a man has found, he hideth it. And for the joy thereof, he goes and he sells all that he has. And he buyeth that field. Here's here's this dude, bebopping along, you know, walking. And his staff hit something in the ground. What's that? And he unearths it and there's treasure. And he gets excited because this field's for sale. So he buries it up real quick so no one will find it. And he goes and he he liquidates everything. It costs him everything. And he goes and he buys the field, right? How much did it cost the guy? All. Like he had to be all in. There was no halfway. He had to be all in. But what did he get? Way more than it cost him. And because he knew this pays way more than it costs, I'm getting a steal of a deal. The cost to benefit ratio is amazing. And if you notice in the verse, for the joy thereof, he goes and he sells all that he has, right? I will gladly with joy pay the price because I'm getting so much more than I ever paid that is the kingdom of heaven. That is discipleship to Jesus that it does cost, but it pays more than it costs. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter number 11. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. One of the most classic uh, teachings of Jesus. And that sounds amazing, right? Anybody tired occasionally? feel overwhelmed and overworked and spun up and a little anxious or a little depressed or a lot depressed or man rest for our souls doesn't that sound amazing verse next verse take my yoke upon you learn of me I am meek and lonely in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls verse number 30 for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and what genius language that is My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Not yolk, y o l k, like the yolk of an egg, but a yoke, y o k e. We don't use yolks anymore, or hardly ever. But I was thinking this week, and we do use them often in our clothing. So I brought one of my uh, shirts here. You never know what's behind those monitors. It's like a rabbit in a hat. So help me, class. Uh, what am I holding right now? Sleeve. Oh, very good. Now let's get more specific. Tough question. This part of the sleeve, the very end, what part is that? The cu- oh, you guys are wise. What about this part of the shirt? What is this? And on the back here, there is this section, right? You can see where it's stitched right there. There's this section that goes right across the back of your shoulders. What part is that? Yolk. It's the yoke. Why is it a yoke? Why do we call it that? because it is binding this section, this sleeve, over into this section and holding them together. That's what a yoke was and is. It takes two things and puts them together. Now, Jesus would not have been referring to clothing. He would have been referring to agriculture and to farming. The yoke of that day, uh, I think we have a picture of it, looked... Like this, you put the neck of one ox or animal or donkey in in one uh, contraption, and then you put the neck of the next next to it, and that yoke held them together. It, it bound them together, so that one could not go to the right and one go to the left. They had to work in tandem, right? And Jesus is saying, "Come yoke to me. Come bind yourself to me. Come put yourself in the restraint with me." Pull with me, walk with me, go with me. Right? What what is a yoke? Well, it is. It seems like it would choke you, kind of. It seems restraining. It was in many ways. But my yoke is easy. It's all the right restraints. There are restraints when you are discipling under Jesus. There are dos and don'ts. There is hey. Here's a way to do uh, sexuality, and there are clear boundaries. Hey, here's a way to do your money. Hey, there, there are restraints, but they're all the right restraints that will lead you to flourish. You are hemmed in, but you're hemmed in in the best way. So my yoke is easy. Is it a yoke or is it easy? Is it a restraint or is it easy? It's both. My burden, I don't need more burdens in my life. But my burden is light. What is he saying? Compare it to anything else. Like it is a burden. It is costly. You do have to offload everything to be in here, but you get a treasure, but you get a light burden. You get an easy yoke. What is it? It's, it's what I just told you. Discipleship to Jesus costs, but it pays way more than it costs. And understand this. You say, okay, it costs, but it pays more. I just want to stay neutral. I don't want to pay the cost and get an upgrade. I just want to stay neutral. Wrong choice. Because there is a cost to following Jesus. But if you don't follow Jesus, you don't avoid a cost. There's an even larger cost to not following Jesus. It costs to follow, but it costs way more not to follow. Proverbs will say it this way. The way of the transgressor is hard. If you, if you think, well I cannot I can just skip discipleship, I can skip following him I don't want to pay that cost you're going to, you're going to pay the piper over here and it'll be way greater. Some of you have, have lived this through a course of a decade or two decades or three decades. And man, if you're in group with people or you're hanging out in the lobby, please share your testimony and share your stories because we need to be reminded, especially our young people, that if you want to not take his yoke, but you just want to do it your way and follow your own agenda or your path or or somehow invent what you think is right or wrong or just go with the flow culturally, that that is going to cost you. It's not going to lead you to flourishing. It's not going to lead you to the best life. That is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. I was reminded of this actually just here a couple weeks ago. If you are a sports fan, then you'll love this. If you're not a sports fan, humor me. Um, Right now in college football, there's a team that's getting a ton of press I imagine they'll get a little bit less because they didn't win this weekend, uh, but they were 3-0 at Colorado University, and uh, their new coach is Deion Sanders, who's one of the most prolific NFL players and most prolific athletes really in a generation, and he's our new coach, and he's bringing a lot of pizzazz and a lot of, a lot of energy to the program and all those sorts of things, but uh, most people don't know Deion Sanders wrote a book years ago, and I've never read the book. But I found the, the title of the book, to be delightfully honest. The title of his book was, and I want to be sure that I don't misquote it, How Money, Sex, and Fame Almost Ruined My Life. This guy who got what he was chasing, he got loads of money, lots of fame and popularity, lots of, accula- lots of accolades, apparently a very sexually promiscuous life. And he found out, and I, I don't know his story, I don't know if, if he's a, a follower of Jesus, but he found out this, the way of the transgressor is hard. When you do life anti-Jesus' words and ways, it just doesn't go well. It doesn't work out in the long run. And there may be pleasure in sin for a season. It may be fun at first, but it just doesn't go well. So apprenticeship to Jesus, it does cost, but it pays way more than it costs. Number two and lastly, okay, yeah, sure. But doesn't God like do the work in us? Like you've said that the series is going to manifest itself into practicing his practices, into putting into work the spiritual disciplines, into trying to get better at maybe fasting or prayer or scripture intake or whatever whatever these habits are, and that and that we need to be okay with this and we need to we need to work and take it a step at a time, but you know we have to step up to the plate. But timeout doesn't doesn't God just change us from the inside out? It, don't we have the grace of God? And isn't His grace like kind of opposed to our effort? It's not about our effort. It's it's about His grace. Didn't we just sing? Like we just sang as a congregation. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Right. We're attesting to the fact that it's not me, and it's not it's not my effort, and it's not my earning, it's not my merit. It's it's not what I bring to the table, but it's what Jesus can do through me. So. Why would we be talking about what we have to do, doesn't God just do something in us? And if you're not careful, this can domino into like the software update version of Christianity. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but if you have done a software update, which I know most of you have, some of you are like, I don't even have an email account yet. Well, once again, humor us. If you've done a software update on your phone or on your computer, like there's, there's a new iteration or there's bugs to fix in the software or something, what, you download it and then it installs and then off you go, right? And I feel like I meet a lot of Christians who think their spiritual walk is that way. Like I'm gonna come to church, I'll read my Bible a little bit, but if there's something off in my life, I'm just gonna spiritually software update this. I'm just gonna come to God and be like, God, I'm angry all the time, God, I'm anxious, God, I'm I'm more lustful than I should, God, I don't want to be generous, I'm kind of greedy, I have this problem, so would you please fix me, I really want to change, I went to church, I heard the sermon, I got convicted, so change me, please, and God's just going to like, just like download, and then boom, there you go, you're good. Like we have the invitation. I tell God, I really, I do want to change. I, I, I want character development in my life. I want to be more self-controlled. I don't want to be addicted anymore. I don't want to do this. And so it'll just happen. Mm. I hope we're not that naive. I am not saying God cannot do a work. God cannot miraculously change you from the inside out. Like that's what salvation is at its core. But if you think that I am going to be saved and then all of my character and all of my flaws and all of my looking more like Jesus is just going to download on me and it will be a miracle every time. It is a miracle of grace every time, but not a, it just happened and I put forward no effort. That's, that's not how it goes to steal an old line from like an ancient friend, Augustine. Without God, we can't. And boy, that's so true. And I want to be sure that that's clear. Like, without me, you can do nothing, Jesus said, right? The vine or the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. Without God, we can't. But Augustine also said, without us, he won't. You got to show up. And I'm not trying to make it a twist your arm behind your back, white knuckle your behavior. This, this is all on you. That's not what I'm saying at all. You absolutely must rely on the grace of God and understand that you on your own, that's a fool's errand. But you can't say, well, God just changed me and it'll just match. I don't know what happened. I really wanted to. I, I didn't want that addiction anymore. So I prayed and it didn't change. I still feel really addicted and I have these cravings. Yeah, yeah, because you're actually going to have to put forward some effort. If you're like, I don't know, are you making that up? Let's read a couple of passages, shall we? And we'll be done. This is what uh, Philippians 2 says. And I could, do, I could literally do this like a dozen times. Or I'll just do it twice. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. All right, let, let's get a hold of that one. Fear and trembling, you could just say with all seriousness, right? This is a take-your-spiritual-walk-seriously verse and work at it. Like, put some effort in. Do not be floating on the spiritual lazy river. You may have to go against the grain. It may be hard. You may have to work up, wake up a little earlier. All of the moms with kids in the room know you had to put forward some effort to get to church this morning, Right? So wake them up, get them out of bed, feed them breakfast, get the clothes ready, get here. Not to minimize those of you who don't have children that you got ready this morning, but it takes effort. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Next verse, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So the fact that you even want to is the grace of God, but what is it? Do I need to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling? Do I need to take my spiritual walk seriously? Or is it God that works in me to willing to do of his good pleasure? Is it me putting it forward some effort or God working in me from the inside out? Once again, those aren't mutually exclusive. That's, that's not an either or. That's a both and. Like you have to show up. Philippians later, famous coffee mug verse, right? People have this on their on their spiritual T-shirts and on their bumper stickers. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We just sing it, yeah. Not I Christ in me, or Christ through me. Is it I can do, or is it through Christ? It ain't either or. You are going to do, but it needs to be through Christ. If you are doing in your own power, you will fall short. If you are just relying on Jesus and you're doing nothing, you're going to fall short. And we understand this even in practical ways. Like I, I always got a kick when I was in Bible college out of some of my, uh, I called them hyper-spiritual, probably the wrong terminology for it because it was meant in a negative way. It wasn't like you're, you're actually doing well spiritually. But I'd have roommates, because we're in Bible college right? you have, if you went to like Pitt, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But here's how it went for me. About one in every 10 dudes in that dorm were praying that God would give them a girlfriend. <laughs> they were serious. They really, they really wanted a date. They really wanted to get married one day. They really wanted a, a, a girlfriend. But they never walked up to a girl and said like, hey, you, you, you want to you go hang out? You want to get dinner? Or you want to go get coffee? And they just somehow expected that God was just going to drop a girl in their lap who was like, hey, I'm your girlfriend. God told me. I was praying this morning and he laid it on my heart that you should know this. It never happened one time. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to pray. Like, God, would you help me out here? I'm a little socially awkward. I need some assistance. Lord, I, you, know, you know my heart. I want to be in line with your will. Great, but you got to go ask her out right? Like that's how that works. You can't get so spiritual to where you take yourself out of the equation. If you need a job right now, pray for sure, but maybe put an application in, I don't know. Like that would be a great idea, right? The same thing is true of our spiritual life. You cannot just say, God, I really want to change like I, this, this good life that you have an offer." I'm not experiencing it. Like, I, I feel so miserable right now, and I, I, I don't know what to do. Would you please change me? The end. <sighs> there's some work to be done. There, there's some truth that you need that, to combat some lies that are probably up there there's also some practices that you've got to start putting into your life. And if you're spun up and real anxious and real tired and all you do is scroll through social media or watch the news for hours on end, but there's never like getting alone with God, praying and saying, God, would you talk to me? Like wanting to actually put his practices into place. I'm here to tell you, I hate to be the bearer of bad news you're not going to change all that much if you just scroll, 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 say God changed me and then scroll, scroll, scroll. Like you're going to have to show up. You have to go to bed a little earlier and get up up a little earlier and figure out how to adjust the schedule or the habits or decommit from some stuff because you're so overloaded that you have no time for anything spiritual. Like there's going to have to be some work. I love how Dallas Willard put it in like almost all of his books. Somehow he has this quote in there. That grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. We do not earn our salvation. We do not earn our standing with God. We do not earn eternal life. We do not earn adoption into his family. It's all of grace. But grace isn't opposed to effort and to us taking our spiritual life seriously and trying our best and working through some things. Like It's not opposed to that at all. So the reason I say all of this is because I'm trying to first, if you, if you don't know Jesus, I, I want you to start. I want you to apprentice under him. You got to start with faith in him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But the vast majority of you, you've been there, done that. I've crossed that line of faith. I am saved. Well, I'm trying to put a desire in you. It's part of my goal. I'm trying to help you see this should be appealing and appetizing the idea that if I follow Jesus' words and ways, it leads to flourishing. That should be a really mesmerizing, attractive idea. And I'm trying to set your expectations that you're going to have to put forward some effort. You're going to have to work. You can't just drift on the lazy river and then it work out that well. And I hope as we move into next Sunday, that there's in all of us, a, 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 like I want this, and I don't know all that it will take, but I wanna step up to the plate. Like I wanna grow, I want to be more like him, I wanna spend time with him, and that may require some adjustments for me that may be clunky in how I implement it, but I'm willing to step up and to put in some effort. Let's take a minute, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. Lord, I thank you for this place and for these people. It really is a joy to be a part of a place where there is love and there is unity and there is a a true heart for your word and for doctrine where people do want to grow. Lord, I'm, I'm so grateful. But I pray that we would not rest on our laurels or just be satisfied with where we're at. I pray that we would want more, that we would want to spend more time with you, that we would want to look more like you, that we would want to join you on mission more often. Lord, would you work this into our church? Would you work this into my own life? I'm I'm as guilty as anybody that I need this the most. So Jesus, we tell you that we're grateful that you would invite us to be your follower, that you would love us first, that you would save us. And we're also grateful that you've established a pattern for us to follow. This morning with our heads bowed, you just remain in a spirit of prayer. If you know Jesus, I would suggest maybe talk to him and just say, Jesus, I wanna take my apprenticeship seriously reaffirm to him like i want your words i want your ways i want to i want to give it all that i got tell him i can't do this on my own i need you and i need your help i need your spirit i need your grace absolutely but let him know again i want to step up i want to grow If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, then man, I would invite you to put your faith and your trust in him. The choir sang about it so beautifully that the cross was really mercy on display. That, That Jesus would want to die in our place for our sins. That he would raise from the dead and we could put our faith in him. And if you've never done that, I would invite you to this morning. Just right where you're at in the quietness of this moment to call out to him and say, Jesus, I'm putting my faith and my trust in you. I'm trusting you as my savior that you would save me from my sins. And I'm trusting you as my Lord that you would be in control. You be the leader and I'll follow. I will take your yoke It doesn't have to be exactly those words, but if you will right now call out to him, put your faith in him, thank him for dying on the cross, thank him for raising from the dead. He says that he will save you, that you are welcome to be one of his.